Hundreds of drivers with dozens of teams compete in multiple series with one ultimate goal, to race in the Indianapolis 500. Yet each year, only 33 dreams come true. These are the stories that make up the 33 Dreams of Indy. Welcome back to 33 Dreams of Indy. I'm your host, Robert Earl, and today I'm joined by Kent Bacaro. Kent is an up-and-coming racer, um, lives in the New York area, goes to school in Vermont. Uh, so in comparison to my location in Florida, he was telling me how it was uh, seven degrees versus our uh, 70s uh, here in Florida. But uh, Kent, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. And I am uh, quite jealous about the weather down there in Florida. <laughs> you know, I think that is the uh, to-do list for some racers is to uh, make it to such a point that they can hop back and forth and be able to uh, do the, the warm weather. Uh, Kent, if you follow the road to Indy, you may not see that name but there are different paths in racing, and Kent and I are going to take a little time to uh, explain that and talk about that. But this last year, Kent, you participated in the um, FIA Formula 3 America's Championships. Is that correct? Yep, that is correct. Um, Formula 3 is kind of the other ladder series for formula racing in this country. Um, I started racing Formula 4 two years ago. Um, and did two years of that. Uh, basically, the F4 and F3 ladder was started by the FIA over in Europe because they realized that a lot of drivers that aren't in Europe struggled to get over there and struggled to make it into FIA formula racing. Um, so they started a number of F4 series around the world and also a number of F3 series around the world. So the idea is generally you start in F4 at your local uh, home country and then move up to F3. Um, and then if you're good, you move over to F3 Europe um, and then into F2 and, and hopefully F1 at some point. Um, but certainly for me, my, my goals lie elsewhere. Okay. So when, as, I, as I look at that and, and to kind of break that down a little bit more, yeah. um, when we get to the F3 level, there's F3 going on at different locations. So there's F3 South America, there's F3 Europe, there's F3 Asia. There's, there's a number of F3s that are going on. Uh, it, it appears to me the F2 is a little bit more of the factory driven or a little bit more of the support series that's for the Formula One that people see on ESPN or, or formerly on NBC, uh, that, that Sunday morning racing show that comes on <laughs> for, for uh, uh, some folks, although it's a lot of crossover that when folks like racing, they like racing, they just don't always admit it. Um, so... You went into the F4, I believe, with uh, uh, Monument Motorsports. Is that correct? And then they made the jump up to F3. Tell me about how that transpired and, and how the season went last year. Yeah, I went into F4 with Momentum uh, Motorsports. Um, really good team uh, based out of New York, uh, just a couple hours south of me. Um, actually, the closest team to me, even though I'm, I'm still a few hours away from them. Um, but yeah, we had a couple really good years in F4, um, certainly a steep learning curve for me, my first year of F4, um, and we started to make some progress last year, and then we decided that it was time to make the jump up to F3 for this year, so I was really excited because we had such an upward trajectory in the last year of F4, I felt like we were really starting to come together as a team. Um, so it's, it's really nice to be with a team for that long because you start to get to know everyone so well. Um, and it's, it's honestly more of a family at this point to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so comfortable when I show up to the track, you know, and I know it's with momentum. Mm -hmm. 
So podium finish last year at Barber. Uh, IndyCar yep. fans are familiar with Barber um, running on that particular type of track. Must have been exciting to be able to get that. Also, the uh, race was uh, in the, the weather, is correct? Yeah, it was. Um, I believe it was actually our only or one of maybe two wet races of, of last year. Um, it was, we ran Barber with IndyCar, um, and there's about 80,000 people there. Um, so it was really nice to take my first ever pro podium in front of all those people and also in the wet, you know, they, they say the, the rain's the great equalizer and, and, you know, as, as far as getting a podium in the rain, I guess I can't complain. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, other drivers that have participated back and forth with F4 and, and for Road to Indy folks, uh, the J. Howard driver development uh, team. Um, has uh, participated in both series. Uh, Christian Bogle took uh, the, the victory at the um, uh, F4 race that was in support of the F1 race in Austin, Texas. But Parker Locke, uh, Dakota Dickerson, Jacob Abel has been doing uh, quite well uh, in the series, Antonio uh, Saravalli. So names that we're familiar with, uh, but another series. But that's Let's go all the way back. What got you into racing? Why does a why does a kid that lives on the border of New York, Vermont, in skiing uh, country, what what gets you interested in racing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was my dad that got me into racing back in the day. I started go karting when I was four years old, um, and we're lucky enough that we actually have a very very small local go kart track about an hour from my house over in Vermont. Um, so I started there at the age of four. Started to have some success there racing and eventually moved over to New Hampshire to um, New Hampshire Karting Association uh, before moving to World Karting Association and doing some races there um, in the laydown go-karts. So it's honestly, I was lucky enough that even though, you know, there's not a lot of motorsports around this area that I, that I was able to find that track in Vermont. And my dad, you know, and I, and I both enjoyed it enough that we decided to get on that path. Had he raced before or was this something that was an interest to him and he said, hey, uh, that, let's go out and do this. How did that come about? Yeah, he's always been a car guy. Um, and he did some, some schools like the Skip Barber School, um, which, I, which I also participated in. And he did some go-karting himself, uh, but never, you know, anything professional. He just did it because he enjoyed it. Um, and so I came along and he decided, you know, let's, let's, have, a, let's have a try at this. Um, and it's, it's been going really well so far over the last few years. So very thankful that he got me into it. So you're very young, you're racing go-karts, um, you're doing the competition at your local track, you go over the next couple states, there's a larger track, you get to go to that, you start having some success there at those tracks. Uh, talk me through then what, what's the progression and, and what happens next? How do you make that transition from carts to cars? Absolutely, yeah. So I, I, we decided that after doing some, some years of laydown go-karting, um, just if you're unfamiliar, the kind of go-karts I'm talking about are WKA enduro carts. So you lie down flat on your back on them um, and race them along big tracks, including Daytona. Um, and, and even the junior series go-karts get up over 100 miles an hour. So that was my first taste of kind of racing on the big tracks and of some real speed. Um, and at that point, we decided that we did want to go car racing. So we actually did a year of Spec Miata um, and, and SM2 with the SCCA amateur side. Um, and we were lucky enough that at around the same time at one of the enduro car races we went to, um, we met up with some of the SCCA pro people kind of as F4 was, was just starting to um, take off for the first time and starting to announce for the first time. Um, and we're very lucky about that because honestly uh, we weren't in the, in the pro scene at all at that point. Um, 
And so that was our first kind of eye opener to what's available to us. Um, and, and meeting some of the people there allowed us to figure out how to break into um, mm-hmm. And within about two years, yeah, I was, I was saddled up for my first F4 race. Uh, we decided we contacted a lot of teams and decided to go with momentum. Um, and at that point, it's just about testing and kind of finding your feet in a, in a pro car for the first time um, and learning how to get out of a go-kart and forget some of the skills there when you go into a race car. So let me touch upon two things there, because uh, to, to fill you in this last uh, couple of weeks, I was attending the Lucas Oil Racing School shootout, 27 okay. drivers together. Uh, they get to drive the spec cars, very similar to Skip Barber, uh, car that's put together the winner. Uh, Eli Navarro gets his full season paid for next year in the formula cars. Um, and the winner of the formula car series gets a scholarship, um, towards USF 2000. So to give you that, that aspect of it, but you touched upon two things. You were racing a particular series, but through the, the contacts and the outreach that you did at the same track. Um, you started to either learn about or make relationships from, from that standpoint. Uh, is that something that your dad taught to you? Is that something that maybe you're a little bit more outgoing? How did that come about uh, of you making those contacts? I'll, I'll touch upon that and then uh, a follow-up question. Sure, yeah. Well, the actually the original way we made our first contact is we were, um, my dad was actually driving to the track from the hotel very early in the morning while we were at that series. Um, and he stopped by the side of the road and actually picked up someone from the SCCA and gave him a ride over to the track um, and just started talking. You know, and it's, it's funny kind of how, how things work out like that. Um, and, and that was the first contact we got. And then at that point, yeah, racing is, is largely about, you know, making contacts. It's obviously has a lot of business aspects to it. Um, and we can, you know, go talk about that later. But um, that's something that I've been learning and working very hard on. Um, and just meeting people. You know, I recently came back from PRI. Hours spent three days um, networking. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a whole part of racing that a lot of people don't know about and don't think about. Um, but you absolutely need, um, and it's been very beneficial to me from all the, the people I've made, all the relationships I've made over the last few years. And I'm not trying to to, to give you more competition, but I want to sure. go down that a little bit because share share with the folks how did you get in contact with me? Absolutely, yeah, I. Um, Correct me if I'm forgetting anything, because it was a few months ago at this point, but I believe I just reached out to you over Instagram and, uh, and DM'd you. Um, yeah, I'm always looking for opportunities to get my name out there, um, you know, get myself out there. And, you know, it's a perfect platform for it. So I appreciate you letting me come on. You got it. And, and for those young drivers out there, what he also did is he led with uh, gratitude. Uh, he led with uh, thanking, led with kindness and, and how to help. So by doing that and doing the reach out, and that, that segues into the other question, then you talked about that you, you reached out to a lot of teams. Why, why you? What makes you stand out over another driver? How did you go about that? What was your mindset as you approached that? Yeah, well, it's, it's largely about research and just gathering facts, you know, and, and data. I'm big about that. I like to make informed decisions on those kind of things. Um, I think as many people do. But um, yeah, you know, I, I certainly um, am trying to be the whole package, right? That's that's kind of my goal. That's what I have in mind um, that I'm striving for. Um, in particular, you know, the person I always look up to is Joseph Newgarden from IndyCar. Um, and the reason I look up to him is because he is the whole package. Uh, he's an incredible race car driver, incredible, uh, very fierce competitor. 
Um, but I always tell this story. Earlier in the season, my dad and I were watching one of the races from Detroit, and he led the last few ra- uh, laps of Detroit. It was like a come-from-behind win. Um, one pulls up to the fountain there in Detroit, and he gets out of the car, um, and a reporter sticks you know, a microphone in his, in his face, and he gives one of the best two-minute interviews I've ever heard in my life. And I remember saying to myself, if you gave me two days to write an interview, I would be able to do as good of a job as he just did. And he just got out of the car. He was sweating. You know, he's full of adrenaline. He's been exercising for the last two and a half hours. And just the professionalism that came off of him then um, was, was incredible. So that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to look up to and, and work up to. And that's what the sponsors are looking for. It's really what is needed nowadays uh, to be able to go into that, and especially as more and more of the opportunities come with uh, um, you need to bring the check or you need to bring the uh, uh, sponsorship that that goes with you. Uh, So you had an opportunity as I go through to uh, uh, did the Miatas, got into the the, um, uh, formula cars, uh, the open wheel cars, uh, there's such a back and forth as to what those are called, but uh, people, yeah. <laughs> people know what we're talking about. Um, you've actually had the opportunity to test an LMP3 uh, car. Um, I want to. I want to. I went to the um, Michelin Encore at Sebring. What was it like to drive an LMP3 car? Yeah, LMP3 cars are great. Um, you know, that's that's certainly uh, Ligier, who and and uh, who works with F3. Um, who's been a great, great partner of mine. Um, and I really like the guys over there. Um, they obviously have a very competitive LMP3 car um, that they've, they've been working with. Um, and that's, that's definitely something that a lot of F4 and F3 drivers are looking up towards. Um, in particular, I went to uh, Mossport in Canada this year and introduced myself because I was looking at, at P3, you know, and I hope that's an option for me down the road. Um, and one of the team owners I talked to said, oh, you're an F4, F3 kid that's great because whenever they come over here, they kick everybody's butt. Um, so, you know, I, I think that speaks to the strength of the series and yeah, the cars are obviously very, very fast, very quick, uh, good learning. And yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities there in the future. Growing up as a stock car boy, they're, they're, they're the closest that I've come to uh, it being the sound of a stock car and, and uh, the way in which they, uh, uh, rev down the engine or that down the straightaway it goes yeah. into it um so what is the ultimate goal what is it and and when so it's kind of a two-part when did it become just from fun to hey i really want to accomplish x so when did that transition come and what is x what is the the fill in the blank as the ultimate yeah absolutely um i guess we'll start with the x part the X is being one of the 33 drivers in the Indy 500 um, and, and hopefully having a successful Indy career. Um, that's absolutely my goal is, is what I've been looking at for a long time. Um, and that's, that's where I want to be. I think that's an achievable goal for sure. Um, and, you know, I would just be ecstatic um, and, and very thankful if I could ever get there. And yeah, to answer your other question, um, it's a good question. You know, it's, it's, it's almost hard to know when that, that switch flipped because it was kind of gradual. But certainly as we started to have some success in karting, it was, you know, my dad and I talking about, oh, what can we do for the future? Um, whether that's, you know, some advanced amateur racing or, or some low level pro racing. Um, but, you know, honestly, I'm not sure it actually ever really hit me until I was at my very first F4 race. Um, and, then it, and then it was finally, wow, okay, I am here. And this is something that's available to me. 
Um, so let's go out and, and let's go out and do this. Talk about that a little bit further. What, what was that like? What was that experience? Yeah, um, well, I was, I was very young uh, as a, an F4 racer. I was 15 years old uh, when I raced F4. Um, you know, couldn't even drive on the street yet. I was, I was driving F4 cars. Um, it was at, I was at Homestead in front of a um, number of people. There was Trans Am there and some other series that we were racing with. Um, so it was honestly, it was overwhelming in, in, some, in some regards, but also you kind of just have to take that plunge, especially in racing. You know, it's a very competitive uh, field, very competitive sport. Um, and, you know, I don't think there was any way to prepare myself more than what I was doing to prepare myself for that race. And you just kind of had to take the plunge and go into it. Um, very hectic weekend, you know, that, that first, like I said before, that first year of F4 was a very steep learning curve for me. And not only just with the racing, um, also with the making relationships and, and trying to learn how to be a professional. I view it as almost being like a, a table. And uh, if one of those legs is off, then it, it wobbles. So if you don't have the fitness part down, if you don't have that, those business contacts, if you don't have the social media, if you don't have the driving skills that are down, and um, this is my two cents worth, a lot of drivers uh, spend so much time on the simulator um, that they're not uh, adding value to the uh, folks that they're working with. Um, their table is a little out of balance and uh, it can be corrected. Um, they need to have, they have coaches on the driving standpoint. They don't have coaches in the other areas and that's something that uh, uh, they need to look into. Uh, so we're almost upon 2020, might actually already be 2020 by the time I uh, uh, produce all this and, and yeah. get this out. So uh, uh, what's on the horizon? What are, you, what are you looking forward to in the upcoming year? Yeah, I'm looking forward to a really good year of F3 next year. Um, as you just talked about, I've, I've been trying to make sure that all those 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 legs of the table are are set for next year. Um, and yeah, we had some success this year, so I think there's no reason why we can't build on that. Um, and I intend to build on that and and make some good things happen next year um, in in Formula Three. Okay, so working working on Monument, or is that something to be announced? Or I don't want to um, go anything from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, it'll be with Momentum Motorsports. Momentum, Momentum, sorry. Uh, momentum oh, no, Motorsports. No, no, no. Uh, so um, that's that's exciting. There, they, uh, a, a number of races, that schedule was just announced to, to be able to uh, uh, come out. So I believe you're at Road Atlanta, you're at uh, Sebring, you're at a number of the uh, classic tracks, um, and it's uh, spread out over the, the seat. Any other racing, or do you still get back into the cart? How do you keep uh, sharp when you're not racing yeah it's a mix of sim racing um it's a mix of a little bit of karting which i intend to pick up more next year um as we got into pro racing the karting kind of uh took a back seat which is you know true for a lot of people but i think it's 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 a really good cheap way to get seat time um you know so i, I think that's something i want to pick up more this year um and also trying to get other opportunities when they come um last year towards the end of the year i did a trans am race which actually ended up being a wonderful opportunity that I, I, you know, raced against some real paid professionals um, for the first time. Um, you know, people have been doing it for a long time, including Rafa Matos, who you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, ended up having a really, really good, and that was also my first uh, stock car, you know, stock car, road car, um, roofed car racing. So um, pro racing. So that, so that was honestly a great experience for me. So yeah, trying to get some experiences like that um, and keep up with the F3 stuff, testing, we're, we're busy in the testing season. 
Watkins Glen for that Trans Am car, and that's a historic track as well to to be able to do that. So dream for me a little bit. You've talked about that ultimate goal. What would it be like to make and start and and run in the Indianapolis 500? Um, you know, I, it's honestly I I can't even imagine. In some ways, it's I'm sure it's just an incredible amount of emotion. Um, and to be honest, you know, it, it's it's getting to that level is is kind of um, a thank you and also everybody's hard work paid off. You know, there's a lot of people who have helped me get to where I am. So, so getting to that point would certainly be a, a definitive, um, message, you know, that, that everybody who's helped me get there, you know, everybody's, it's all paid off. And I appreciate that. Why Indy? Have you been to an Indy 500? Actually, I have not been to an Indy 500 yet. Uh, I intend to, to get to one soon though. Um, you know, Indy, I, I honestly have watched Indy on TV for a long time. I think, you know, uh, in America, that's that's obviously the top formula car racing. And I think that it, it really speaks for itself. You know, it's, it's there's some incredible drivers in IndyCar. They're, you know, starting to keep up with the technology really, really well. Um, they've announced hybrids, you know, and, and more horsepower in the future. They've got the aero screen going for this year. So I think they're starting to find their place in the world of racing. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's that's a series that's just going to grow and keep and keep moving up. I, I think so as well with the investment to the uh, Penske stepping up with the stewardship of the track and, and being able to go through that. You've had an experience that a lot of the F4, uh, a lot of the road to Indy drivers haven't had. And uh, this year, the, the introduction of the uh, cockpit protection system, a, a fin that goes in front, but you've actually been running for the last two years with the halo system. So talk about the the halo and and at what point did you not uh, see it in your your vision anymore? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's it's a, it's always an interesting thing to talk about because there was so much controversy about it when it came out. Um, and I was curious. I was very curious the first time I sat in an F3 car what that was going to be like. Um, sitting in the pit lane when you're not moving, it's very noticeable. Um, and actually, my engineer was the first person to, to kind of put this into words. And it's very true. The second you start rolling out on the pit lane, you turn the limiter off and you look down the track, it's gone. It's just out of your vision. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's definitely saved. I've already seen it save people, um, both in Formula One and around here. Uh, so I think it was an exact right opportunity for safety advancement and safety that they, they needed. Um, and, you know, I, I think the cars are starting to incorporate it a little better. You know, like the Super Formula car, I think it looks really good on the Super Formula car. They use it over in Japan. Um, and yeah, it's, it's honestly, it, it's, you can't see it, which is, it was just strange to most people cause it looks so obvious, you know, but, um, you really, as, as you, as you look down track, it just goes away from your vision. And the second you pull back into pit lane, it, it's back right in front of you. But, uh, now you may not have thought of this, but if I asked you to get into a car tomorrow that did not have the halo system that had maybe just the cockpit protection or it did not have any of the, the protections that were on there. Yeah. How would you feel about that? I would imagine as a racer, you'd just get in and go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think if you gave me a car tomorrow, whatever it would be, I would, I would drive it. Um, but yeah, honestly, it might feel a little weird to get back into a formula car without a halo, you know, like the trans am car um, has a roof and a windscreen so it, it it doesn't have the halo and it doesn't feel like it needs the halo obviously so getting into a formula car without a halo might be a little strange yeah yeah and and those cars over the years they used to not have a protection bar in the middle of the windshield 
Um, right. And that allowed items to come in or they put in in, in stock cars, the Petty Bar, uh, because Richard Petty had a uh, wreck at one time and, and there was an item that came in through the windshield and, and uh, barely missed him. Um, I think sometimes um, aesthetics aside, we have to put these things in place uh, for racers because you put racers on a, uh, um, a, a gurney with an engine on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they would figure out how to go as fast as they actually could, or uh, if they were racing lunch carts, they would uh, go right. as quickly as they could. So we sometimes have to protect uh, you, you guys and gals uh, against yourselves. Well, Kent, a uh, great opportunity to uh, get to uh, know you a bit. I always like to give the uh, young drivers an opportunity to give a shout out to those that have helped them, those that have sponsored them in the past, and and to their sponsors. So. Uh, go ahead and do so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate everybody who's working with us in F3, um, including Honda and Ligier um, and Handcooked Tire. Uh, I'm looking forward to a really good year working with all of them and growing my relationships with them next year. Um, so thank you to them. Uh, thanks to my parents and everybody you know around me who's supporting me. Um, and if you'd like to follow along, please follow along on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I use all of them at Kent Vaccaro, V-A-C-C-A-R-O. Uh, 16. That's the same handle for all of those. Or you can check out my website, kentpicard.com. Fantastic. Okay. Well, Kent, uh, enjoy the upcoming season. I'm going to touch base with you uh, during yep. the season. Uh, so we see how things are going, especially uh, there, there are a couple overlap events uh, that are that are going on. Um, but we'll definitely uh, check those things out and uh, wish you nothing but the best. Uh, when, when you're uh, approaching that uh, F3 and uh, for folks a, a little bit different path on the road to Indy. Um, but as far as the drivers are concerned, um, honestly, I got to say that this, you brought up the super formula. Um, this came to light or people were asking me, wait a second, I thought the road to Indy, you had to follow that progression. Then all of a sudden, um, Dale Coyne announces a new driver that's, <laughs> that hasn't yeah. run in those particular series. Yeah. So uh, we have to be on the lookout for drivers all over the place. But uh, thank you, Kent, for taking the time. Best of luck to you in the upcoming season. Uh, for those of you that want to uh, continue to get these types of interviews uh, on YouTube, please hit the subscribe. You'll be notified when we post a new episode. And uh, as we head into the new year, those episodes are going to be coming uh, much quicker. Uh, also on all of the major players, uh, Apple, Google, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio podcast. So um, technically, we've got all of those areas covered. And as you're heading into the race season, you're going to be uh, in the car or in the plane a little bit more. Uh, I would love for you. I'd be honored if you'd uh, subscribe. So until next time, Kent, all of you out there, keep dreaming. Thanks, Robert. Uh, thank you so much.